Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. I edited that video. That's why it wasn't very good. Oh, man. So Moses was walking down the street one day and he bumped into President George W. Bush. Hello. I don't know how to do a Bush. Hello, Bush said. Nice weather we're having, huh? Moses took one look at the president, turned and ran away in the opposite direction. The next day, Moses was walking down the same street and there was President Bush. Again, the president tried to initiate a conversation and again, Moses turned and ran away. Bush was tired of this bizarre treatment, so the next time Moses uh, ran away from him, President Bush followed him, and when he caught up, he asked Moses this question, why do you keep running away from me? And Moses responded, sir, the last time I talked to a Bush, I spent 40 years living in the desert. It's Bible jokes right there. Tonight, we're talking about politics. <laughs> I heard audible. Oh, no. One of the funniest things. Now, you could, you could cut the tension in our country right now with a knife. I was just kind of looking and talking to some of you guys earlier, and I, I was telling Mark earlier that when I was standing out by the door, I'm surprised at how many of you are interested or involved in and are taking notice of the elections that are taking place right now. And tonight, we're going to be talking about politics, in the way in which we can try to serve our country and promote the glory of God and the good of people uh, as citizens of heaven living in earth. But I know just because I was talking to some of you guys, I want to go off script for a moment. And, and I want you guys to close your eyes in an act of prayer. And I'm just going to make some statements and I'm going to ask you some questions. And I don't want you to respond out loud. I just want you to think and pray and meditate. So go ahead, everybody right here, close your eyes. Let me ask you this question. Does God love you? Is your God the one that created the heavens and the earth? Is it your God who put the moon and the sun and the stars where they are? Is it your God who caused the sun to rise and the sun to set today? Was it your God that oversaw the changing of the leaves on the trees? Was it your God that came down in flesh and dwelt among us? Was it your God who allowed himself to be nailed to a tree so that you could truly live? Was it your God that was buried in a tomb for three days and then rose from the dead? Let me ask you a question. Is your God right now seated at the right hand of the Father? Do you believe that your God is coming back for you to establish his kingdom forever? And let me ask you one more time. Do you know that your God loves you? Go ahead and look me back in the eyes. I want you to hear this. I am so literally concerned about who you did or who you would have elected with your vote. And I am so much more concerned who you choose to exalt with your life 
There is no man who is in an election, no woman who is in election this week that is worthy of the praise of our lips. And so tonight, if I say something that you think, oh, this candidate or that candidate, silence yourself and remember that the only name that is worthy of the praise of your lips is the name that is above every other name, the name of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And what is his name? Jesus. That's the only name that will ever be worshiped in this space. And that's why we're talking about him tonight and not some other candidate. Tonight, we are starting our third sermon series of the semester. It's called Still Turning. Do you remember at the beginning of the semester, we had uh, a sermon series called The Tables Have Turned, where we talked about stories where Jesus sat down and ate with people. And we talked about the phrase, the tables have turned, meaning that God's favor is now upon us because Jesus is with us and Jesus is for us. And we're doing this sermon series called Still Turning because we want the tables to continue to turn for other people who have not yet met Jesus. Specifically this week, people who disagree with us, Next week, people who look different than us. Next, the the last week, people who do not live anywhere near us. And tonight, if you don't hear anything else tonight, I want you to hear this. Everything about Jesus, Jesus should inform everything about your politics. And I want to tell you a story from the Old Testament. This is the story of the Israelite prophet Jonah. A long time ago, God spoke to Jonah, the Israelite prophet, and he said to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness had come up before me. And Jonah wanted no part in this. He had no desire to go to Nineveh. He did not want to go to this enemy nation. So he decided that he was going to flee to the land of Tarshish. And I know that a lot of you like memes. And so I brought some memes tonight to help me tell the story of Jonah. The first meme is this. Jonah called to Nineveh making a sharp right turn for Tarshish. Now, he wasn't driving an automobile because they simply did not have those back in Jonah's day. He hopped on a boat and set sail for Tarshish. Now, a little interesting historical nugget. Tarshish was the furthest geographical point known on the modern-day map back then. Jonah was fleeing the Lord because he did not want to obey the Lord's commands, and he was fleeing by boat. But you know this, when you disobey God, there are consequences. And the the story is no different for Jonah. When he disobeyed God, there were consequences to that choice. God sent a storm. The boat began to rock. And Jonah and the other sailors were scared and they were nervous. And Jonah said to the other sailors, hey, this is my fault. What you have to do is throw me over and God will calm the storm. And the sailors had a choice to make. They had to go ahead and put the next meme up. Murder Jonah and live, or die with Jonah. Kind of a tough choice. Well, for people who care about other people, I guess. But Jonah and and, and the guys on the boat, they didn't want to really kill Jonah, and so they tried to row back to land, but it it wasn't happening. The storm just grew wilder and stronger, and so finally they decided to throw Jonah over the boat. And you know this, one of the most crazy events in the Bible, Jonah was swallowed by a giant fish. And he lived in the fish for three days. Day one, I'm in a fish. Day two, still in a fish. Day three, still fishy. Can you imagine the guts, the slime, the caviar that he had to sit with in that giant fish and think about what he had done? 
You might see this as punishment, but really it's God's mercy on Jonah because Jonah was to die, but God rescued him by way of fish. But he only stayed in the fish for three days. And on the third day, the fish vomited him up onto the shore. He's like, I'm going to head out of here. And he gets to the shore and God, once again, Jonah chapter one, verse two and Jonah chapter three, verse two are eerily familiar. This is what Jonah chapter three, verse two says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. This next meme is my favorite just because of the political season. I'm once again asking you to go to Nineveh. God repeats his command to Jonah, and this time Jonah obeys. He goes to Nineveh, and he starts going through the streets of Nineveh, preaching against the sin of Nineveh, the evil that is present in Nineveh. And he's like, repent and turn to God, or God will destroy you. This is the next meme that I want to show you. Change my mind. This is really what God was saying. Hey, repent, and I will relent. Continue in your sin, and I will bring destruction upon this city. And this rebuke reaches the ears of the Ninevite king, and surprisingly, he issues a proclamation to the whole city demanding fasting and repentance. And the proclamation from the king reads in Jonah chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. The Ninevite king calls for repentance from literally everyone and everything. And because they repented, God relented and he did not bring his wrath down on Nineveh. And all the Ninevite moms and dads updated their Facebook status and they said that they were, go ahead, Mark safe from God's impending wrath today. You know that your mom and dad would do the very same Thing. The Ninevites repented and God relented of his wrath. And yet this made Jonah mad. Jonah chapter four, verses one through three. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing the Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, just take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. And what I need you to know right now is, bro, Jonah had some issues. He wanted Nineveh to die. God, why you no destroy? That's what Jonah, why though? Such a hypocrite, right? He disobeyed God and he should have died in the sea, but God in his mercy and compassion sent a fish to swallow Jonah and to take him back to shore. And now God is relenting of his wrath upon the Ninevites and Jonah's mad at the mercy and the compassion of God. Jonah chapter four is a very interesting conversation between God and Jonah. And the last chapter, really the whole book ends with God asking Jonah a question. 
Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? And Jonah never responds. At least we don't get his response when we read scripture. And maybe that's the point. Maybe it's really not Jonah's question to answer. Maybe it's our question to answer. Should God not care about people? Should God not care about a city, about a nation? Should, not, should God not care about his glory being known among all nations? Remember what I ask you. Everything about Jesus should inform everything about your politics. And so I am going to take the story of Jonah and pull out three application points that I want you either to remember or begin to think or to do. Because I know that in a few weeks, you're probably headed to a Thanksgiving table somewhere and there are people in your family, probably adults who are gonna be talking and sharing their viewpoints. And I want you to number one, be able to think well about these things, be able to think well from a biblical worldview about politics. And number two, I want you to be able to jump in on the conversation in a way that is helpful and holy when it comes to the topic of politics. Now, I'm not saying that you have to believe, agree with me in everything, but what I am asking every one of us to do is to commit to Scripture. Because here's the reality when we come to talk about politics in Scripture, there's really very little mentioned about politics. You want to know why? Peter, James, John, Jesus, none of them lived in a democracy where their voice mattered. You have to realize that the church was born not because its voice mattered to the government, because they, but because they were not concerned about who was seated on an earthly throne, but because they were concerned about who was seated on the heavenly throne. And so my first application point to you is this Jesus is king. He's the king, not just of America, not just of Canada or Mexico, not just North America. He is the king of the whole world. He is the king of the whole world. The thing that Jonah said to the men on the ship when the storm was raging, I want you to notice what he said to them in Jonah chapter one, verse nine. He said, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea in the dry land, who made the sea, in, who created everything in heaven and on earth. This is the God that Jonah worshiped, and this is the same God that we still worship today. I want you, I, for some of you, this, will, this insight that you worship the God who created the heavens and the earth, this will bring great comfort to know that he holds you that he cares for you. And for others of you, this might promote laziness in your life. Like when you can think about your God, the God of heaven and earth, how he is the ruler and how he has authority and dominion over all things, you might just sit down. And no, no lie, I want your heart to be still, but not your hands. There's some phrases that get said by people in the church during election seasons like this. Uh, here's an example. It doesn't matter who sits at the desk. My king sits on the throne. People say that. I would agree with that. But the way in which they say it, it just seems so hesitant. Like they don't even really believe it. Or this one. This is my favorite one. My grandma says this one. 
I don't, believe, I don't belong to a donkey or an elephant. I belong to the lion and lamb. And I have to say, amen, grandma, every time she says it. But sometimes she says it. Don't tell my grandma I'm talking about her to a bunch of strangers. But sometimes she says it in a way that it sounds like, do you really believe that? Or what about this one? I voted for Jesus. <laughs> he's, on, he's on the ballot. Kanye was, though. That's what I voted for. I'm just kidding. That's what I voted for. What about this one? Jesus is my boyfriend. Girl, stop. That's not political. It's just weird. Okay, so stop. Just had to get that one. I had to find a spot to say that, to confront that to you. And don't date boys who you meet in Michigan in the summer either. Okay, that's, we don't do that. Some of you are guilty. That's why I said that. But it's not that I don't believe, oh, I don't believe that Jesus is your boyfriend. But I I, I, it's not that I don't believe some of these things. Like some of these things bring me comfort. Yes, and I think that they are true. But the way in which we say these statements and then just sit there, that's not what we're called to do. Our king has called us to action. And that's my second point. We work for God's glory and the good of people. God called Jonah to action for two purposes. Number one, his glory. And number two, Nineveh's good. The evil... God is talking to Jonah in Jonah chapter one, and he specifically says that great evil has come up before him. Like this evil is an affront and it is an offense to God's glory. When you think of glory, I want you to think big or weightiness. When something grows, it grows in weight. It might not be physical weight, but maybe emotional or spiritual weight. And the evil in Nineveh was growing. It was gaining glory. And this was an offense to God's glory. And so he sent Jonah Jonah to Nineveh to preach against it. Because God was offended by the glory of evil because glory should be his and his alone. But he also sent Jonah to Nineveh for the good of the Ninevites. Because God knows, and you know this to be true as well, evil does not produce good. Evil can only produce death. And God cared about the Ninevites and he did not want them to die. And so he sent Jonah to preach for their good as well. I think about what you can do in the world. When I say action, that we just don't sit there and make statements, but I say God calls us to actions. I think about all the things that you guys can do. Some of you can exercise your your right to vote right now and you should. Most of you cannot vote, but that does not mean that you cannot glorify God or do good for other people simply because you cannot vote. No, you can glorify God and you can do good. You can talk to your neighbors about your belief. You can talk to your friends about your belief. You can serve the church. You can serve other people, sit with people who are lonely, invite people to your group on Wednesday nights and to join us in these worship services. You can do things that do not require your vote to promote the glory of God and the good of people. Now, I think that it would be fun to see some of you in the political sector sometime. When you're old and grown, one of my favorite historical figures is a man who spent his life in politics. His name is William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce was not American. He lived across the pond. He was in parliament, and his life goal was a great goal that honored God and glorified God and was good for people. His life goal, to end the slave trade. And he did. He worked his whole life and no, no, that brought glory to God and it was good for millions and millions of people in the present and in the future. And he did it as a politician. 
as someone who stood up for God and the good of people. And so I want you to vote when you can vote, but I want you to to work to glorify God and do good to people. The last point, I want you to know this. God loves the whole world, not just America. I want to introduce you to two terms, patriotism and nationalism. And I want to define these words for you in a very, very elementary and basic way. Patriotism, we matter. Nationalism, we matter most. The first term is good and true. The second term is sinful. Now, don't hear that statement that I just made as anything more than what I'm saying, but also don't hear it as anything less than what I am saying, because what I am saying is that people in America matter. They matter a lot. But so do people in Canada, in Mexico, in Uganda, in Kenya, in Iraq, and Iran. The, the kids who, who are in America's suburbs matter to God just like the kids in India's slums. And the widows in America's nursing homes matter to the widows living in the city dump in the Dominican Republic that many of you have seen with your own eyes. The American businessman matters to God and so does the African warlord. The boys on America's youth football teams matter to God and so do the boys forced to be child soldiers in the Congo. The American girls who play make-believe matter just like the girls who are sold on the sex market in Switzerland. America matters but it does not matter more. Just because you live here does not mean that this is your permanent home. No, no, no. The church does not belong exclusively to one country. We extend beyond borders. The church is the global kingdom of God in every country on the planet, or at least that's our goal, that the gospel would move further than our physical borders. And then everyone would know that God loves them. I mentioned this at the very beginning of his story. Jonah was an Israelite and he was sent to Assyria, an enemy of God's people, but yet God loved them. And he loves every single person on this planet. Now, I don't know what that or how that informs your foreign policy, but it should because everything about your Jesus should inform everything about your politics. Would you stand up with me for a second? You know, because the band is right behind me that we're about to sing. And one day when the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our true King comes down and he establishes his kingdom forever One of the things that we're going to do in heaven is worship through song. And if what I read in the Bible is true, we're going to be worshiping our king a lot. And we're not going to be concerned. We're not going to care about elections. The only care and the only concern that we will have is the exaltation of our king. To lift him high and to sing his praises. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for the leaders of our country and the future leaders of our country and that God would humble them so that they could lift him up in honor. And then together we are going to sing not to a man who makes policies, but to a God who made a sacrifice and bought us for himself and is establishing his kingdom on earth. Father, very grateful to be in this house of worship. 
And I ask, Lord, that you would remind everybody in this room with hesitations or concerns that you are the king. Father, I ask that you would help us to exalt you alone. Father, I ask that your glory would be known among the nations. Father, that we would not just care about right here, but we would care about people that are not right here. Father, would you move in us, reminding us that Jesus is king, that we work for your glory and the good of people, and that we work for everyone, not just those people who look like us or agree with us. And Father, I can't wait to be in the throne room of heaven, singing the praises of the people from every nation and tongue and language. So Father, as we sing right now, accept the praise of our lips, for you alone are worthy of our praises. Amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christchurch, visit us online at cco.church.